Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode of the Life Success Legacy Podcast. I'm Chris Bay, joined by Michael Crawford and Mike Everett. Guys, how are you today? Hello. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Excited to uh, discuss these topics with you. We had a really great um, boot camp this past weekend mm-hmm. and uh, a good group of people. And and some of the questions were were very high level, didn't you think, Crawford? Oh, yeah, very. It, it was they put us on our um, on our A game for sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, and uh, just to make it even more uh, crazy, this was the very first boot camp that I've ever missed. Yeah. yeah. And then you tell me that we have all these high level questions and I go, ah, oh, look what I missed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we had a good time. We we always miss you, Mike, if you're not able to join us for whatever reason. And you were involved with a really good uh service Outreach. activity. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, cool right. opportunity. Um, but I think the rest of the team um stepped up and I think yeah. we 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 made you would have made you proud. So there we go. So we had some good questions, and um, the the questions really come back to the four things that IBC typically were addressing when we do those four things. Um, Mike Everett, you want to give us the high points on those four things, and we can kind of talk through those and what those questions were. Okay. So most of the people who do the webinar and or the boot camp they get refreshed on these four things all the time because they are core things of what we do with IBC in our teaching model, in our process, in our education, and the, you know, the, the direction that most people are going. So you've got the number one thing, which is rapidly eliminating outside debt. I'd say 98, 99% of the people that come to us have debt and they want to know how do we get out from underneath this? Number two, we teach everybody how to finance everything you purchase. So once you get out of debt, you're still going to go out and make purchases. So we're going to show you how to actually finance those things yourself. Number three, passive income. This is talking about allowing passive income to come to you that you don't have to do anything to, to get that money. And number four, it guarantees wealth transfer in a tax-free environment. So those are four core things that go along and kind of meld together with Nelson's principles. Yeah. Yeah. And and the questions, there were two that Crawford pulled out that I think were really um, specific to those four areas that we can kind of unpack for people. Mm -hmm. The first question was that people asked was, do you need debt to make IBC work? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because <laughs> last podcast, Crawford, we talked through our software and our team efforts and everything. And most of those times we're dealing with um, with debt, with turning the wind current on those things, right? right? Yep. And so, so, so sometimes people could be confused that mm-hmm. you have to have debt to make IBC work. Well, like Mike said, you know, 95% or whatever the number you said, even yeah. higher of the people that we typically encounter are dealing with that. And that is just average America. That's not a special good or bad thing. That's just 
life. It's and life. <laughs> so, you know, in, in receiving this question where somebody's asking, do you have to have debt? It sort of pivots that conversation away from what they've always heard in our podcast and reading Nelson's book or, you know, any of that, even reading your book, Family Banking with Purpose, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So the first question that we're going to talk about today is, do you need debt to make IBC work? The second question that we're going to unpack is, if you have a large access to a large pool of cash, is IBC necessary? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me first take these back to the four things that Mike Everett talked about. Number one, eliminating outside debt rapidly. The first question, do you need debt to make IBC work, really is talking about that piece. Yeah. So let's talk about why do we typically start there? Why is it that if someone comes to us and they've got um, some credit card debt, some car loans, maybe a business loan, a family loan, some medical debt, those mm. kinds of things, student loans, et cetera, why is it that Nelson taught turning the wind current first rather than going on to number two and number three, and that is building a pool for passive income? Anybody want to comment on that? Well, I'm going back to some basic principles and obviously think long term and we'll we'll touch on that with our second question. Mm -hmm. But number two, capitalize generously. So you think about whether or not people have debt. And, and I, I'm kind of bouncing in my head back and forth on, on, on the thought process here. When we're talking to people about Nelson's basic principles, and then we're throwing these four items that we've talked about today, along with this, most of the people, the way we've been taught is once we get rid of a debt, we just quit paying on it. Yeah. So Nelson's third principle is don't steal from your system. Right. And in the webinar, we always talk about <clears throat> outside debt, house cars, credit cards, student loan, business loans. Those are payments that you have to make every single month, right? Yeah. Well, what happens if we get rid of that, but we got rid of it by utilizing the assets or the system that we've created with IBC, we've taken, we've taken loans against our system and paid off this debt. Do you think we ought to take those payments and replenish those dollars? It's, it's almost too simple, but yet if you haven't, if you haven't challenged your thought process, Nelson said, it's a matter of how you think. Mm -hmm. So our job as infinite banking practitioners and educators is to help people think differently. Yeah. And, and I, I would say, you know, the reason Nelson started in my mind with the debt is, again, going back to 95 plus percent of people have it. Yep. So it's a big deal. But number two, we talk about this in a lot of our podcasts. What's the number one stress in most relationships in a family relationship? Money, money. And it's usually around the debt, not how much you're making, right? It's not per se how much you're bringing into the house. It's how much is going out of the household mm. and what is being spent in that regard. And Chris, you do a really cool example of a drawing. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I encourage you to, uh, to attend one of our boot camps. Um, the dollar bill, 
Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk through that? Because I think that that truly is why Nelson started with number one, um, with removing um, outside debt. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so in the boot camps, we, we try to teach with a variety of mod- modalities. And I typically use a lot of drawings and pictures and things uh, for that visual modality. And one of the, the drawings that I oftentimes do is I draw out a dollar bill. Mm-hmm. And in Nelson's research, he found that average America is mm-hmm. losing 34.5% on the interest on their debt. And we talk about first, you know, we try to educate people. Well, 34.5% seems like a really high interest rate mm-hmm. when even my high credit cards might be 20, 22, or whatever. Max, How in the yeah. world do we get to 34.5%? Well, it's because of the nature of the loan, which Mike Kwong actually breaks down in one of his chapters in his book that's getting close to being released. It's the nature of the debt. And so when you look at an amortized loan, like a car loan or a mortgage, we know the payment is steady, but the amount of that payment that's going to interest versus principal Mm. changes. At the beginning, all of it, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, like 90, yep. 85 to 90% is interest. Yep. It is all going to interest and very little is going to principal. So Mike Everett always talks about, you know, in the first five years of your mortgage, 85, 86% of it is going to interest. Yeah. So when you've got that much going to interest and you've got credit cards debt at say 20%, you know, it's easy to see how average America is at 34.5%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what we do is visually represent this. First of all, we know we're losing 30 to 40% to taxes right off the bat. When mm-hmm. you And you go, well, wait a second, I'm not in that kind of tax bracket. Well, when you think about income tax, property tax, sales tax, mm-hmm. that adds up and it is 30 to 40%. So right Easily. off the bat, Right off the bat, 30 to 40% is gone to taxes. Then on top of that, if you're an average American, you've got 34.5% going to interest on your debt. We're easily at 60, 70 or higher, 75% that's just gone. From and then the, let's, right off the bat. Exactly. And then you say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm contributing to my 401k. Well, there's another percentage that's gone. Oh, I'm tithing to church. There's another percentage that's that's you're not using for your your expenses. So you, when you get down to it, you're just looking at a sliver of that dollar mm. bill that actually you're working with. And yep. that is the headwind that Nelson teaches about as a pilot. He talks about uh, wind currents. And so, yeah, changing the wind current on that 34 and a half percent is typically where we're starting. And oh, by the way. Are there any 401ks or IRAs or anything else out there that's giving you 34.5% return guaranteed that you Mm -mm. control? Not one. There's not one. So so do you need debt to make it work? No. No. However, that's oftentimes where we start. So let's transition then to, well, what if you don't have debt? I just did a consultation last night with a gentleman who no personal debt, including no mortgage and no business debt. How's IBC mm. going to work for him if he doesn't have debt? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that Nelson's book actually teaches us how it will work is if we go back, as Mike always says, to the, the root, you know, if we look at nearly every example that Nelson gave us, how many years did he um, encourage them to capitalize before anything occurred in that 
in the use of those dollars. Four to seven years. Four to seven That's years. It. And Every we're teaching time. people how to access their dollars in the first 14 days of the policies um, being um, put in place. And that's because we are dealing with principle number one or uh, item number one to begin with, right? Debt. We want to help them attack that debt and see hope at the end of the tunnel immediately. However, if they have no debt, I refer everybody to the uh, page 51 of the book where he talks equipment financing because the gentleman in that example, all he did was make four payments and then stopped making payments. And then over the course of the next eight to 10 pages of the book, Nelson describes the idea behind using his policy to finance nothing and then to finance one vehicle, two vehicles, so on and so forth. Yeah. And the power of you moving your money, it's not the insurance. I, so I always, I always talk to people, I go, so if you go back and you review that, that, that equipment financing mm -hmm. is, is so powerful. Huge. So by, by financing one, two, three, four trucks mm -hmm. did it have anything to do with the insurance company it did not it had zero to do with the insurance company it had everything to do with the policy owner so where is the power of ibc it lies with you yeah so people ask us all the time where's the risk and i go you're the risk so uh if we've done a good job mm -hmm. of educating and teaching people about ibc you know, we talk about this all the time. When people, when people read Nelson's book, when when people read the case for IBC, when people read Family Banking with Purpose, the the lights are flickering. Mm -hmm. It is our job to educate, to teach, to coach, to where we go over and slightly pull up the rheostats <laughs> to where the lights come on, yeah. and so. IBC is caught, not taught. Right. So we are teaching, but yet we are kind of sort of, gosh, this is a horrible example, spoon feeding them to the point where once they go, ah, I get it. That is a great time for us, by the way, because yeah. we know we're doing what we're supposed to do and we love what we're doing, by the yep. way. Yeah, it's a blast for sure. So, so do you need debt to make it work? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And and in my conversation last night with this gentleman, I said, think about are you are you setting money aside for um, Christmas, right? Are you setting some money aside someplace for vacation? Are you setting money aside for your property taxes? Are you setting money aside for your um, your insurance? Yeah. Are you setting money aside for your, um, your taxes? And, yeah. I was going to say income tax, all those things. And he said, well, yeah. I yeah. said, well, where are you storing that savings account? Exactly. Where you're getting one <laughs> use and you're losing, <laughs> you're losing value every single day due to inflation. Yep. Yeah. And, and I gave some examples of what I do, which I've talked about in, a, in previous podcasts. That is simply, I told him, I said, I just think of my policies as an amazing savings account with all these great benefits. Storage That's it. tank. That's it's it. just a place to store your money. <clears throat> Nelson wrote a book about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> where is your warehouse for wealth? Mm -hmm. It's just where you store and where you run dollars through. So then from your warehouse of wealth, 
You can do anything that your imagination can come up with. You can make purchases. You can use it for vacations. You can use it to pay taxes. You can use it for investments for passive income. You can use it to purchase more policies if that's a, a you can part be of the your bank for family. You can be the bank for family members. You can buy up other people's debt. Yep. Oh man. It is it's as Nelson said, infinite. it's infinite. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you can come up with. You can use your warehouse of wealth for it, despite having any debt yourself. Chris, don't you think that that's maybe one of the more daunting things about IBC when you don't have a good coach? Oh, my gosh. I, well, and I, I think it can be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I also think it can be really intimidating to people at first when you become your own banker, yeah. mm -hmm. because we're so used to somebody else making the rules and telling us what to do. Yep. We just set up our payments on auto payment, right? Right. Mm. Well, when you're the banker, now you have choices, yeah. unlimited choices. And it's kind of like, I, I, maybe you guys had this feeling, but like when you first got out of school, you weren't married, you didn't have kids, you didn't have a job, and anything was a possibility. I'm going to go do the Peace Corps. I'm going to go hike, you know, backpack around Europe. It's almost overwhelming, the freedom. The world is your oyster. Right. right. <laughs> so short answer is, and guys, if you have any last comments on this, do you need debt to make IBC work? The answer is absolutely not. It just typically yeah. is where we start. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the next question in our conversation that came up in the boot camp is, okay, so what if I've already dealt with my debt and I am all about passive income, I'm an investor and all these things, and I need to leverage a pool of cash for these purposes. Mm. If I already have access to a large pool of cash, and let's talk about what those things might, what those pools of cash might be. If I have access to those, do I even need IBC? Is it necessary? Mm. So what are the pools of cash that typically people uh, have access to? Savings, old old 401ks, IRAs, yeah, inheritance. Lines of credit. Lines yeah. of credit. Home yeah. equity lines of credit. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, those old are... cash values in policy. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say another another yeah. another yeah. thing a lot of people come to us with that are in that phase is they've had some old school traditional whole life policies that they've never touched. And it just has, you know, done what life insurance does and has gotten more efficient every year. So they have a pool so, of cash there. So let's take an example. Um, we like the home equity line of credit. Um you know, especially interest only when those are available, even though yeah. during the pandemic, a lot of banks pulled back on those and yeah. you couldn't get a, a line yeah. of credit Yeah, because interest rates were held so low. Why would the bank do it? Mm -mm. Right. Mm -mm. They're about the interest. So if interest rates are held low, we're not going to offer you a home equity line of credit. Yeah. We're starting to see those come back into play yeah. now. Um, so let's take an example where you've got an individual who is interested in passive income they're doing different types of investments, whether that's income snowball or other things, real estate, et cetera. And they've got their line of credit. Why would they need, why would IBC even be a consideration or an, a necessity? Talk about what the pros and cons are of those different lines of credit. And we're not saying get rid of your home mm -hmm. equity line of credit. We, no, like, no. we like having that available. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what are the pros and cons? What are the considerations of 
a line of credit versus IBC or in addition to and IBC? I'd say ownership is the first word that comes to mind is, you know, going back to what Mike was talking about earlier, when you have all these outside debts and we're not in that phase with this conversation, but you owe those dollars to somebody else or they come and take your things. Right. In fact, so, Mike Kwong had a line of credit pulled from him. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't for no other reason than the bank said we're done with it. It had nothing to do with anything Mr. Kwong was doing. It had everything to do with the bank's decision to just yank it. But the ownership of those of those policies or those things, the line of credits are not yours. You don't control the terms. And we talked, Mike has a really good slide in our webinar about who controlled the equation. And it's mm -hmm. a conversation about the banking industry, right? And we don't control those equations. Now, are they still valuable to us? Absolutely. But I would much rather put my cards and my eggs in the basket that I control more, um, more wholly. Back in the day, Nelson called it liquidity use and control. Yep. You know, you think about liquidity, you have dollars that you have available that are liquid. You have dollars that you have use and then back to ownership, yep. you have 100% control of all of that equation. Yes. And um, just to throw this on top of this, it's really just a whole life insurance policy. <laughs> Yeah. And so the death benefit is really just icing thrown on the in on the side. Yeah. It, and Nelson in used to opinion. call it, he said, it's really just a banking system with a little death benefit thrown in on the side. So I guess the awesome thing, if, if you're talking about why IBC, if you don't have IBC and you just are basically using dollars over here that you have mm -hmm. in this big giant mm -hmm. accessible pool, and something happens to you, what happens to all of this? Yeah. Let's jump over here to IBC. You got a great big death benefit, small, medium, large death benefit, and something happens to you, but yet you've used all of these dollars in a way that would benefit you and your family. And really the giant benefit is if something does happen to you prematurely, there's a death benefit that goes 100% income tax-free to the people that you care and love. So I'm going, that's all I need to know. Well, and Mike, doesn't that, it pay off the debt that you have to inside of the policy? That's right. It, it is an automatic uh, internal accounting <laughs> that you don't have to do anything. All of a sudden, money just comes to your family and all of the debt is now completely gone yep. because the death benefit will always be bigger than your debt. Yep. Always, 100%. And I think that that, Chris, Sorry. is probably the biggest benefit in owning and controlling that aspect of your infinite banking system is the security blanket, I'll call it. Mike used to, what did you always call it? The pillow blankie? Pillow blankie. Like, pillow blankie. The, <laughs> I love that term because like, having the, the the assurance that when I go to sleep at night, that all the debts that we've borrowed inside of our policy to, to live life, right? If the worst were to happen, my family, all they have to do is call one of you guys, fill out a simple form, and then the rest is handled upstream. Um, they don't have to call the bank and worry about how much of the line of credit was used? What's the debt? What's the payment he's making? Like any of that stuff. Now, again, 
I'm not saying we shouldn't use them. And Mary and I have a HELOC as well. But that being said, like, I rest assured that the majority of the dollars we run through our family system come from our banking system inside of infinite banking. Mm. That home equity line of credit just gives flexibility, right? Absolutely. It does. You know, you've got that, you've got that capital, that equity that's yes. sitting there. We might as well put it to use or at least make it available right. uh, to us. And Mike, I, both mics, <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are, are really referencing um, subtly the three uses of the dollar. Right. I was going to ask you about those, Chris. Yeah. When, when we look at a home equity line of credit, yes, you don't have control over that. The bank controls the terms and all those kinds of things, but you're only getting one use of those dollars, really. Yeah. Whereas with your, your IBC policy, you're getting the guaranteed growth, which I love. Don't have to worry about losing your money in the market, right? Number two, you got some death benefit tied to it, which you guys just beautifully outlined the benefits of that mm -hmm. when you move your debt inside the policy. And number three, you can take loans against it using it as collateral, yeah. just like your home oh equity gosh. line of credit. So you're essentially taking a home equity line of credit, but you get these other benefits that go along with it. Yep. Mm. We have a, a friend um, who wrote a book called The And Asset. And oftentimes mm -hmm. people um, may, because we're such advocates for IBC, they may come across thinking that... <laughs> We think IBC is the only way to go and you shouldn't use any other kind of investments. That's absolutely false. Right. Right. So can you guys talk a little bit about why IBC is and why we consider it an and asset, not an or asset? I'm going to read right on the bottom front cover. It says the secret way to save and use your money at the same time. And really, it's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> It's That's secret. I, I actually think that it could be considered secret, right? A lot of us have been, we've, you've been in this for 17, 18, 19 years now. So to you, it's not a secret because you live and breathe it every day, right? Yeah. For the yep. average person though, coming to us, whether it's through our boot camps or podcasts or, you know, referrals, whatever, they don't know because they've not been taught. As you said, they've been lied and deceived about uh. money for years. And so for them, it is like finding a secret, you know, like uncovering some hidden truth that's always been right there in front of you. Mm, that's good. So let's say I'm a, I'm a person who is interested in buying real estate properties or um, some other kind of investment, income snowball or whatever. And I'm used to using my, my line of credit. Mm -hmm. And over here, I've got my investment. Mm -hmm. Now, now, Mike Everett, you're always good at creating slides that show the flow of money. Yeah. Let's say I'm used to this model and all of a sudden I learn about IBC and I want to insert IBC into this equation. Oh. Talk about how if I already have a line of credit over here and I'm doing these investments over here, where would I insert IBC into this equation? Well, I, I could actually go two different directions, but I'm going to go back to your dollar for a second. Okay. Because it really is just about this simple. So, you know, most, most of the people that are thinking about the income snowball investments or whatever, they're always thinking of what? Rates of return. Mm -hmm. uh, that is just where our mind goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pretend that we're all going into business together. 
and we're going to have to put $1 a year into our business. So mm -hmm. if I put $1 into the business and we have access to 55 to 60% of it, did we have a good year? Oh, we had a really good year. Yeah. The second year, we're going to put a dollar into our business and we're going to have access to about 70 to 75%. So we had a little better year the second year. The third year, we're going to put a dollar in and we're going to have access to 90 to 95%. And the fourth year, we're going to put a dollar in and we have access to 100% of that dollar. Yeah. Now, if that was a real business model, how many times would you want that? Every single time. Yep. Mm -hmm. What I just explained to our listeners was exactly how we design the IBC style policy. Yep. So getting back to why in the world would anybody ever think about this? So if eventually we could actually put a dollar in and have access to the dollar, that really only takes <laughs> 37 months to make that happen. Yeah. 37 months goes just like that. Yeah. Have I said anything about life insurance? I have not. Once again, if we were able to shift all of these dollars over to where we were actually utilizing our system to finance our investments or finance our, um, you know, real estate to finance our income snowball. I'm going to tell you, this is T-ball at its finest. <laughs> this is shooting ducks in a barrel. Mm -hmm. um, it is so simple, but yet this is exactly why you need a coach yeah. right beside you because you're going to be needing some additional accounting. You're going to need some additional paperwork. You're going to need some additional documentation in order to make sure that none of the dollars and none of the um, potential deductions are missed. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't documented, if you haven't ran amortization schedules, if you haven't, you know, given yourself a payment plan, then there will be some things lost in there. Now I jumped to the 900 level college course just like that. So I got to get all of our listeners to think through why would we go to here? Because we've already done our base teaching with the webinar, with the boot camp, with our dream conversation. They've gone through our process and they understand that each and every level that we take them to is at a new, it's at a new plateau to where they can start to adapt. And once again, even in the midst of those different processes and plateaus, the lights are sometimes just flickering. Mm. So we've got to make sure that before we move to the next one, that there's an understanding in that particular portion of the process. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. I'm telling you, Nelson yeah. says it takes, it's a 10 hour course of education. We believe that. So, so a lot of those folks who are, are thinking about or are utilizing already a line of credit for investment purposes, oftentimes they even have an LLC set up that they're doing yeah. that work out of. And so, Mike, when you're talking about those documentation steps, you're talking about how a person would make a personal loan to their LLC 
the LLC is then utilizing it for their investment purposes. And then the LLC is making payments back to the person uh, directly. Now, where IBC can can come into play and you you very clearly outlined like how much access you get to in a typical Mm -hmm. design policy. What you're saying is, and I'm imagining this visually right now, I might be using 100 percent. Uh, I may be using my HELOC or my line of credit 100% to fund everything. And now as I introduce IBC, what I'm doing is I'm taking those HELOC, those line of credit dollars, running them through premium deposits, which creates cash value. And then I can kind of toggle between the two, utilizing both of them to begin with. But what you're Mm going to see is this. A shift. Mm -hmm. You're going to see less and less need of your line of credit. Now, it may look like this. You keep that line of credit up and your IBC policy is just growing, meeting it, and then surpassing and it. it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. it really doesn't take very long if you are a honest banker. Honest banker. That's right. Yeah. That's and, right. and I think, Chris, you know, going back to when you would insert it, uh, you know, you did a good illustration there where you would take that line of credit and then supplement that. Now, you could even do that when you consider buying a house. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've we've ran illustrations using some other software that instead of taking, if you, let's just say it was a $100,000 house, right? Instead of going out and paying cash $100,000 for that house, what if you just put down the 10% necessary, but used your policy as the down payment and ran those dollars through your system and then did that five times? If you Would you rather have $500,000 houses or $100,000 house fully paid off? Right. Right. And yeah. that's just the idea of leveraging the dollar through your system mm-hmm. and running it in a different path versus just straight from the line of credit into the investment. So so clearly, IBC, we believe, is an and asset. Um, yep. yep. It, it, it's something that that can be used foundationally. What what we see as IBC is it is the foundation. Yeah. from which you can do all sorts of things that you want to do uh, with your financial world. So good discussion, guys. We we talked about, do you need debt to make IBC work? I think we had a good discussion around that. Yeah. And then if you already have a large pool of cash, is IBC necessary? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, good discussion, guys. Appreciate your input on that. To our listeners. Oh, Mike Everett. I have one thing to add. Uh, mm-hmm. to add. Now, as a father of two guys who have been a part of my team for a number of years, I'm going to tell you, this discussion, I didn't hardly have to get involved in the the welling up of pride for this guy (laughs) right now is pretty high. So I, I thank you for your dedication and your part of how we have built this team because it's really not a one-man deal it is it is really our five core team members that have made this thing what it is today and man am i excited about the future of the people who come on board with life success and legacy Mm -hmm. well i think i think that is one of the key pieces that made nelson so proud as one, Mike Everett, as the the rudder of this life success legacy ship, you have kept us pure to IBC, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That has always been a value. And then I think also just that Nelson was about sharing the message and that has been your heart, mm-hmm. whether it's with us as individuals on the team or with other people out there, other agents who are interested, yep. other 
just individuals who want to get involved. Um, you know, those are the things that I think um, do do justice and do do proud to to Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's exciting. That's for sure. It is. It's fun stuff. Yeah. To our listeners, thank you for joining us again. Um, wherever you you take this in, wherever you listen or watch, um, if you will download or give us a thumbs up or comment, um, we'd appreciate that. And then if you don't want to do that, that's great too. Just keep coming back and joining us and we'll pick it up with our next episode.